Hi, and welcome to the Digiday podcast at Cannes. I'm Michael Berge, senior editor with Digiday, and I'll be your host for a series of bonus episodes from the Cannes Lion Festival, which just got underway. Every day this week, I'll be bringing you interviews with CEOs and founders who are going to speak to things like the power of AI, the blending of media and creative, what's going on with the culture wars, and fighting the good fight on sustainability. And for our first episode, I caught up with none other than Sir Martin Sorrell, chairman and founder of S4 Capital, which owns Media Monks, as well as Tara Egan of HP, who is a Media Monks client. And the three of us talked about AI's massive influence on marketing and media and discussed the fact that it feels like it's come on so suddenly, but it's actually been bubbling under the surface for a couple of years. I was happy to get in a couple of words edgewise because the two of them really hit it off as we had a chat. So please give it a listen. Well, I'm delighted to have as our first guests, Sir Martin Sorrell, who started and oversees all of S4 Capital, which includes Media Monks, as well as Tara Egan, who oversees uh, marketing operations and technology for HP. Thank you both for being here. We're delighted to be with you. Uh, thank you, Michael. And thank you, Sir Martin. Super happy to be here. Here we are about to uh, get underway at Cannes. And I, you know, from what I can see, the hottest topic easily is AI and how it is slowly but surely overtaking seemingly every corner of advertising, agency work, marketing, and kind of the rest of the world. And I'd love to get both of you to talk a little bit about that. But before we get started, just a little bit of intro of each of you. Sir Martin, I don't think you need much introduction. I think everybody knows who you are. But Tara, do you mind just giving us a, a momentary sense of what your role is at HP and how, you know, what what overseeing marketing operations and mark tech uh, means at HP? Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. You know, I, on July 29th, will mark my 30th year at HP. You know, I started in advertising and I worked in an agency that did a job for Hewlett Packard. And out of that job, the marketing manager was like, would you ever come consider working for a tech brand? And I was like, absolutely not. And then I ended up going through seven interviews and I walked into a culture that really has transformed me. I love the brand I work for. I'm privileged and humbled and honored to be a part of it. Today, I lead marketing operations in MarTech, like you said, you know, and I've really focused in the last four years on effectiveness. Running the business of marketing for the chief marketing officer is really my day job and really looking at how things could work, operate and transform more rapidly, you know, has been a passion of mine. So thanks again for inviting me. Great to have you here. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Sir Martin and Tara, I believe, is this your first time meeting? Yes. Yes. Which I'm, you know, I'm almost sad to say I wish I had met Sir Martin earlier, but I've had a wonderful opportunity to work with his team. It's my fault. <laughs> okay, I'll blame it on you. <laughs> <laughs> no one's at fault here. This is just a good conversation. Yeah, but we're excited to be here together. So clearly, the, the topic of AI is kind of inescapable this year. I guess, first off, tell me a little bit about, and I'll start with you, Sir Martin, tell me a little bit about how uh, you all are putting AI to use across your network. I, I understand this is, I believe, something of some interest to you. Yeah, well, we, 
we've been. I mean, I, I'd much rather hear from Tara how she sees it. It should be always be client first. But I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and just because you said, Michael, at the beginning that you know it's consuming everything, and I, I think it's consuming everything in terms of the airwaves. Is that, that's right, uh, and in terms of hype. In fact, you know, Chuck Robbins at Cisco said a, a few days ago that. You know, uh, CEOs talk about uh, AI and AGI to goose. I think the phrase he used to goose their stock, and I and I think there's a little bit of danger. We will get into it in detail, but there's a little bit of danger doing it. So to say, as you said at the beginning, and Tara may differ on this, but that it consumes everything would be a, a little bit of hype and a little bit of exaggeration. It it is a fundamental change. Um, I would just preface the the areas that I see it impacting already by saying that there, there are really two emotions that, that come when you talk about AI and AGI from a agency or services company point of view. We don't regard ourselves as being an agency, but we're a little bit different than that. But really, one is you know wonder that it's it's a, a fundamental change and the capabilities that it gives you are huge. And it's huge, a huge opportunity. That, so that's the the good news. The bad news is is fear. Is that there is considerable amount of trepidation about what this means. And for example, the mother of a creative director came up to me, and I was doing something else uh, in you know, doing an interview with somebody uh, a couple of weeks ago, and said w- with her daughter, who was a creative director, a mother came up, and she said, "Is my daughter going to lose her job?" So. There's there's wonder, but there's fear. Having said that, let me get to the nub, nub of it. We see five things happening. Firstly, uh, clearly, uh, it, it is impacting uh, and improving productivity around copywriting and visualization. Secondly, it is providing, you know, the holy grail of the web was personalization at scale. We can now do hyper-personalization at scale. If I Take the example of an, another client, Netflix, who I think probably were one of the companies that d- developed the very first model along the lines that we're talking about. Instead of being able to create, let's say, one and a half million assets for a campaign, you can produce four or five million. Uh, so hyper hyper personalization. The third area is media planning and buying. It's clearly going to have a major impact, and we're already starting to see it on how clients buy and plan media. And to put it crudely, would you, with digital budgets being 65% currently of total global media spend and probably going up to 75% by 2025, would you rather have a 25-year-old media planner or buyer or an algorithm? And the answer is, you know, digital does lend itself to that. So that's the third area. The fourth area is using AI as a super tool as Wesley, uh, who leads uh, our team, uh, for example, on on HP, has a close relationship with uh, with Tara. As Wesley would would say, using it as a super tool to improve processes with our clients and with ourselves. And the final area, which I don't think gets enough airplay, but will do, is it provides knowledge. We're trying to build, uh, as Tara indicated in our preamble you know, a unitary brand, which is very different to what other people have done. And in fact, what I've done before S4 and Media Monks, we're trying to b- build a unitary brand. And to do that, 
everybody in the organization, we have almost 9,000 people in 32 countries and 57 offices, has to know what everybody else does. And just one final point, you know, the, the guy who resigned from Google DeepMind because he thought AI was could be so sinister and, and would be a, an existential risk, said in his exit interview on the BBC, he said what he feared was, you know, if you had 10,000 bots, every bot would know what the other 9,999 know. If you take human beings... They don't. Not every one of our 9,000 people knows what the other 8,999 know. What AI will enable us to do is to get closer, not to the bot model, but close to it by giving us the ability to disseminate knowledge across horizontally across the organization. So we will be, you know, our mantra, faster, better, cheaper, and now with AI more, we will be more able and more agile and more responsive, have a better understanding of the digital ecosystem and be more efficient than we were before. Well, clearly, sir, you have not uh, thought about this too much. So uh, thank you for those very spontaneous no, 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 thoughts. <laughs> um, and, and I would like to, at some point, get to the uh, the concept of sentience, um, which I think is what the Google uh, person who resigned was somewhat yeah. concerned about as well. But but yeah. let's get to, uh, like you said, let's get to the clients. Tara, um, yes. can you talk a little bit about how AI has kind of reared its head within uh, how HP is uh, approaching marketing, even with some of you know what HP does for, for a business? Yeah, just as a reminder to all, you know, to both of you, as well as the audience, you know, we split the company almost nine years ago this fall. And the reason I share that with you is that we had an opportunity at HP Inc., to really reevaluate, you know, an 80-year-old brand in a one-year, you know, step. And a lot of that evaluation came down to how are we really running the company? How are we as a Fortune 100 corporation really going to be better and different in the near and far future? And the controller at the time, who is now our chief financial officer, Marie Myers, actually bet actually bet a lot of her finance career on artificial intelligence and machine learning. And when I came into the role, Marie and I are very good friends at work. You know, I called her and I said, look, I think marketing needs to transform faster. And this was four years ago. And so really our team in marketing, uh, Michael, has been on a deep AI quest. It's mm -hmm. why we're very attracted and engaged to media monks. But we're also internally looking at both our back office of how we operate and run marketing we're the second and most times the first largest purchase inside of HP at an indirect commodity level across all marketing purchasing. So the chief financial officer looks at her counterpart, the chief marketing officer, my boss, on a daily basis and says, how are you doing and how are you running your business? So AI for us has transformed our back office. I'm super proud of the team and the work that they've done to really take purchase to pay from an HP audit requirement and really an SEC requirement, did you actually spend the money and do the campaign that you said you were going to do? We've automated that entire process. We then took it and automated agency selection, rating, and referencing. And so the Media Monk team can come in at the back end of that experience and show us thumbnails of their work that they've done for us. We're non-competitive clients. You know, what the marketer can see is actually how 
Media Monks is rated. And not only in the United States, but in other countries, they're doing business. So all of that work is an accomplishment, as I talked to you today. Now what we're focused on is really that front office workflow. And in it, everything Sir Martin just beautifully captured. And in partnership, I think it was about a month and a half ago, uh, Wesley and team uh, joined us in San Francisco. We actually went to Media Monk's office. And we really kind of opened up and said, here's the things that we want to transform. And it's a large list. <laughs> and the things that we're doing with Media Monks are super cool because we think in partnership with Media Monks, and that's really the way that HP values our partnerships with agency partners, we really try to work with them, not tell them what to do, not sell them. We're really trying to say, here's where we're vulnerable. Here's where we're curious. Here's where we want to ideate and create together. And so what we've been doing, Michael, is a series of conversations beyond that deep dive meeting around things like translation, dynamic content optimization, video at scale, audio generation, voice over generation, copywriting, as Sir Martin noted, you know, both at the thought leadership level, like, hey, why HP? Why do you want to love our brand? But also in messaging and messaging that really becomes personalized and activated around what a consumer or business customer wants to hear, wants to see, wants to find from HP. But we're going to take it deeper. And this is really where MediaMonks has given us a level of expertise over the last four years as an agency of record, you know, in that digital space, looking at really imagery for our new product introductions, looking at a coding pilot where we can be more self-automated and self-curious and self-ideating. And then last in that CG space, animation for our NPIs, as well as generative lifestyle you know, and that's something that Media Monks has really been pushing us already in the last, you know, two and a half, three years. So those are all the things in the front office that are super exciting. And that's just on content generation. When we come to campaign activation and really campaign and customer connect, as well as what Sir Martin said just beautifully, which is ultimately everyone through AI and ultimately also machine learning, we're on a quest to take the data that we all have and from an HP perspective, you know, we really value that a customer gives us their data, but we've got to turn that into intelligence. And then we've got to take that intelligence and really do something that means something both to the customer and our brand. So that's the quest that AI give us in the marketing space. I could go on and on about the product space. And I think Enrique Lores, our CEO, did that nicely after our quarterly earnings last week. But that's where I'll kind of say the impact is happening at HP. What Tara just said, I think, is really, really interesting because what what's happened, you know, given your you know the intro, Michael, is that a lot of the, the commentary is thematics around thematics. So, for example, the street will say, "Who are the the winners from AI, and who are the losers?" Create baskets, ETF baskets that in cap in cap encapsulate the winners and the losers what what you when you listen to tara and you know when she goes through that anal analysis and talks about the depth of it over the last four years and before that and the interpersonal relationship with the the cfo you get to understand the opportunities that are there for us as service businesses to build deeper and more intelligent relationships and 
you know, I think it's really interesting to listen to what Tara said because it's a, a case study. I and mean, the other thing that that bedevils what we talk about is everybody's talking about, you know, th things in in uh, themes instead of case studies, user studies, and and examples of traction. And I think Tara laid it out extremely well as to how HP is navigating and, and has been navigating for a considerable period of time the AI space, which is fundamental. I mean, it's more fundamental than probably anything we've seen maybe since since the web. Yeah, for sure. Web 1.0. When I should have bought a property in Silicon Valley when I first relocated there. For <laughs> that HP, would have been a but that's move. a whole other podcast, Mike. Well, you've done you've done well in Texas, Tara. I, I sure I'm have, sure you've done well. <laughs> hey, I just want to build on something, Sir Martin Michael. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but he really nailed it because for us, you know, and and this is what we've tried to do, not only with Media Monks, but our own kind of business use cases. You know, we're looking for speed. But as a responsible brand, and we really want to be the most re responsible brand in tech, you know, speed and efficiency won't trump, pardon that phrase, brand trust and value. And so for us, it's a real balance for us right now. And there's a lot of excitement and we have marketers, we have, you know, dot-com developers for HP.com. We have so many people that are like, can I go try? Can I go do? Can I go? And, you know, there's part of it for us where we've really had to practice the pause and think through where's the business case? Where does AI really drive and add value? You know, ultimately, yes, it's going to bring us lower cost, but part of the art and science of lower cost and using that technology in our marketing workflow, both back office and now front office, is to really figure out our reinvestment strategy. Any good marketer, any good CMO, you know, any good agency would tell you that, you know, you're not necessarily going to take those savings to the bottom line, and you're going to find the places in those savings to reinvest in talent, you know, because the creative iterative process will never be replaced by a machine. Humans really will be a huge part of this process. We're just trying to find and define the workflow that takes the work out so that we can actually have them do the work we want to pay them for, which yeah. is their creative mindset. And it will be enhanced by by AI. Yes. Um, so uh, thank you both for really just well-rounded answers uh, to my one question. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to be moderating actually a session on Tuesday with Wesley and a few other people, including a gentleman named Carlos from HP. Yes, my friend at work, Carlos Ricardo. Uh, the term brand language models is being bandied about in our kind of pre-panel discussion. I, I'd love to know a little bit more about what exactly that means. You know, we've been on a journey, as again, as I said earlier, when we split the company and became a solely, you know, operating company as HP Inc., you know, we've really had to rethink our brand. And it started with, I think, one of the experts in the business who came and gave us his time, Antonio Lucio. Uh, and in oh, that yeah. brand language, we have been really rethinking what does AI, what is machine learning, what do this next generation of tech as a conglomerate do to our brand, not only as a tech brand, but the people around us? And so we're really trying to figure out in that brand languaging, uh, Michael, how can technology help? You know, how can it also help us be more creative 
you know, and our brand experiences, but where also do we need to be? I don't like always like to be the police here, but the brand, you know, compliance police. And so structuring that in both a structured content and unstructured um, content experience is a goal of ours. And Carlos will talk to you more about that, you know, as you said on Tuesday. Um, But we're super excited to just explore, like I said, where do humans take the lead? Where do machines help humans? But for us, it still has to not take away from what we think is super important, which is, I believe, and I'd say maybe HP believes, um, if I can be bold to speak for both of us, that, you know, what AI will do is it'll separate the truly creative agency and truly creative individual as a marketer from the mediocre. Well, do you do you think, Tara, take it, taking yeah. taking Michael's role here a bit, do you think, I mean, the big fear, the big fear um, is, you know, it's like that mother who said with her daughter, yes. you know, is my daughter still going to have a job? Uh, I have to hasten to say the creative director was not at our agency. It was at one of the holding companies. But do you think, do you think we are going to add employment or do you think that AI will, you know, you mentioned the speed and efficiency. You said that was not sufficient, obviously, on its own. But do you think this will be a net creator of jobs or do you think it will be a net, I'm going to use the word destroyer, will it be net destructive? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. And I think that might be just a cop-out answer. So let me be more bold. I think it's going to be an attractor. I think it's really going to divide the true creative critical thinkers you know, to really understand. And I'd say, Sir Martin, I've had the privilege for the last, it's almost four weeks now, I'm hosting five interns here in Houston with me in HP Marketing, four of them from HBCUs, which in the United States are historically black college and universities, all business majors, but strong marketing majors. And I know you've done a program too, and I'm appreciative of how you and Wesley have taken a lot of direction from HP and understand how important that is. But what I love about these kids, we don't mean to call them kids, but they are, they bring so much energy to the creativity of marketing, but they're so tech comfortable that I think in that world, you were just asking what it's going to be. I think that's what it's going to be. A level set of true creativity versus creative mediocrity with a set and a generation of people that will lead the way to really understand, you know, where artificial intelligence, machine learning, where their information as data or them virtually in a virtual world, where all of that comes together more responsibly, more fun or funny, you know, and more, um, mm-hmm. more empathetic. I, I could go on and on about these uh, interns. I'm so impressed. One other thing, sorry, Michael, I may just jump in again. Um, <laughs> All right. Work, work, work from home and work from anywhere. Uh, I mean, you're you're in Texas. That's not work from anywhere. That's work from work from more important places, um, as we've seen. But do yeah. you think that AI, the metaverse, blockchain, which to me are the three big sort of technological developments that we uh, I think AI is the uh, AGI is the most important, but the other two are increasingly important. You see what what Apple are doing around headsets, and it sort of indicates 
a movement in that direction, you know, to the metaverse or virtual world. Yes. Do you think do you think that as a result of the development of AI that we will be more more and more flexible on employment? Uh, or do you think we will become more, I'm going to use the word rigid, because it's the opposite, I guess, of flexibility. I don't mean it in a negative sense. Or do you think there will be a greater need for physical interaction between people? It's a great question. It really is. I, you know, I can tell you, we had a senior leader meeting, a top 400 executives of HP back in November, actually here in Houston. And our CEO, Enrique Lores, said, I'm asking each of you as senior leaders to come back to the office. You know, he started out as an intern at HP in Barcelona, Spain, you know, and I started early in my career at HP. And I have to tell you, it was so exciting to be in the office and see, you know, friends and create them at work. I think it's going to shift back. I think the pandemic made us a little bit comfortable in our own settings. But again, if I go back to the interns I just talked about, they Mm -hmm. asked me, would you like us to be in the office every day? And I said, absolutely. I will be there with you. The only reason I'm not there today is that I had to come into my closet to make sure I sound good. (laughs) But they've re-energized us, Sir Martin and Michael. It's been so cool. And we had this huge Juneteenth celebration at our campus yesterday. And it just felt like prior to the pandemic, people want energy. And I think, again, technology will always help us be hybrid. You know, I used to say that, you know, where I work was, you know, row 2B or, you know, row 3B on a plane. Um, I'm super lucky that I'm actually in an office and seeing people that I miss and have loved working with at different points in my career. And I think all of us really have to, if we're leading a company, if we're showing by example, we need to be back in our offices too. It's where creativity happens. That's really fascinating because do you think, let me just further go a little bit one step further. Do you think that has to do with the fact that you're headquartered in Texas? In other words, we've seen a sort of leveling up, if you like. You know, look at San Francisco and what's happened uh, in San Francisco. Look what's happening in New York. I mean, I don't think uh, that New York has, and you, you know New York well, has yes, recovered to its pre-pandemic vitality. No, it has not. My cousin is a lawyer for the city of New York, and you know the new mayor. Well, he's not necessarily new, but he's relatively new. You know, is making them come to work five days a week, and actually in his building, in a city office building, um, you know, a coffee company is actually giving them a deal of having a coffee pass. So that they can get up to five cups of coffee or cappuccino or lattes a day <laughs> for twenty dollars a month, which I thought was super clever. And so, yeah. going back to your question, Sir Martin, actually, our our headquarters are still in Palo Alto, California, but we've shrunk yeah. the people there immensely. We have most of our U.S. based employees here in the Greater Houston, Texas area. Our sister company, as we still like to call them, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, has moved its headquarters here. You and I were discussing many California companies have come to Texas or other states across the United States. And I think for us to go back to your original point, you know, I, I believe that no matter where HP has an office, you know, we are going full throttle back to say at a minimum come in three days. We understand that you still need to balance and you're used to that balance, you know, pre and now post pandemic. Um, but also, 
you know, we really think that it's important to have a hallway conversation <laughs> that causes you to think differently, act differently, pop down and ask different questions, be curious about what your colleague is. And I think it's going to be an important part of the next couple of years of business. I think that's really, that's super interesting. And so you you would say at the minimum, a three-day model, it may be greater than At a that. minimum, that's been required of us at the executive level, right. you know, and hey, yeah. look, we're a tech company. Everybody has security badges. And even though they tell us they're not checking, they are. <laughs> they know when I go into my office, you right. know, they know when I leave. And so, and that's okay. You know, as long as we're open and transparent as a culture, and we are, we're really just saying to people, innovation happens when you're together. And, you know, making an effort, not only with teams that are based here locally, wherever you work at HP, but we also have really reinvested in travel and making sure in the 166 places, especially places like Singapore, Barcelona, Taipei, Taiwan, Beijing, Shanghai, um, we have to have people go to those cities and those cities have to come travel to us in order to figure out what's next, what's perfect for our customers. Now, now have you reduced travel maybe? easier? Please, I'm going to recommandeer this conversation. I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're kind of going sorry, down an avenue that you're not, you're I wasn't intending us to go to. No, I'm, I'm trying to have something to do with it, but here I am. So, um, but I, before we do change the topic, back to you, Sir Martin. What's your policy on people in the office versus not? If you can give me a brief answer on that, then we'll switch topics. We, we don't do brief answers. But anyway, look, I, I think the problem. <laughs> no, you don't. The, pro, the, the problem is, and obviously we're much smaller company than HP, um, probably similar geographical spread. It, it, you know, the answer to your question is it's different in different regions. In Asia Pacific, I would say we, where we have about a thousand people, it's running at about four to five days a week in the in the office. In EMEA, you know, I was in Amsterdam, I would say to the, today, uh, and Hilversum, where we have a, a, almost a thousand people here at 2,000 in total. I would say it's three days a week. In North America, where we have a couple of thousand people, it's one or two days a week. It's it's the it's the least there. In South America, it's about four to five days a week, maybe three, four, five days a week. So the answer to your question is, you, you know, we've devolved. Yeah, yeah, we we've devolved to the office heads or the country heads what they do. You know, we have in Canada, we're running a four day a week experiment and the woman who runs our business in canada was really interesting it said to me you know less churn uh, clients happier so the hidden costs are removed and to tara's point about what i call the glue which is you know if you if you pay somebody to sit at home work from home or work from anywhere in front of a screen they're going to go to the highest bidder how do you get the glue and I think what Tara said is absolutely right, which is to get the glue, you have to have that contact. The interesting thing is the academic community. I just did my reunion at, at HBS, and the, the professors there, are better, it's probably three-day flexible model, maybe even more than three days, uh, at, you know, or sorry, less than three days in the office and more than, more than two days uh, out of it, maybe even more than that. But, you know, it's interesting what you, you said, Tara, because the professors have done uh, work on, on, on contact, on how, how people, you know, the, the conventional wisdom is if you're in the office, you have more frequent contact. Most of the academic research says 
that people only connect with people in the office within 10 meters of where they're located. And if they're in separate buildings, they don't see one another. Um, so a lot of the academic thinking, I mean, it's a bizarre uh, sort of thing, but a lot of the academic thinking is very, very flexible, work from anywhere, work from home. Work, you know, There are certain jobs that you can do from home, uh, 100%, um, or from anywhere. Be very flexible and have gatherings, maybe weekly, maybe monthly, in some cases even quarterly, they're saying, where you bring people together in social rather than business things. And the most extraordinary statistic <laughs> that I heard was, you know, at these social gatherings, you get people to get, you know, they're staying in the hotels and get them to to come to the the the, the, the center that you're organizing in in taxes. And that's how they establish more and more contact. There's, you know, sort of statistical research to show that when they travel in in taxes and exchange email addresses and contact contact points they they keep they they build relationships uh, in the firm so the academic research to answer your question is to be highly flexible in our case i think i, I don't i don't think it's going to go back to where it was pre covid you know the, the technology has accelerated to such a degree and ai and the metaverse you know i think the metaverse we've seen making work from home and work from anywhere sort of more interesting um so i think it, you know it is sometimes i think about it being a generational problem um yeah the b school they say it's a management problem i still despite what they say the other thing that it's done which is really interesting is focus on outputs so instead of being concerned about the process you look at the output so take the canadian example where the woman who runs the business is totally convinced that this is better for women, for example, mm-hmm. that this is better for disabled people. That is, this is a much better system and, you know, working with much more, greater flexibility. So, uh, yeah, I have to say I was a bit, I'm going to say right wing or Attila the Hun on it. I, my, my position on it has been, has shifted. Um, I find I find my kids are probably more conservative about these things than than I am, which is interesting. I, I've become a little bit more loosey goosey about it. I think. Well, if you're seeing the results, and or if your various exactly. are seeing results exactly. based on what exactly. what formula works best for them, then of, exactly it's, it's good to remain a little open minded. Now, um, I'd love to shift gears a little bit. Um, we're, we're actually almost out of time, and I wanted to even ask you a question or two about Can Lions itself because that's. That's where we are all week. Um, but I did want to ask about uh, the second half of 2023 from an economic point of view. There have been some who argue the economic situation for the second half could remain pretty tough to get through. But you know, we look at inflation starting to kind of level out. It feels like perhaps it won't be as tough a second half as was envisioned earlier this year. Um, Tara, I'd love to start with you. I know you're not necessarily on the economic side of HP, but I'm sure you're keeping track of some of this. Any thoughts on that? And then I'd love to get your thoughts, Sir Martin. Yeah, the, uh, you know, I do lead the business of marketing. <laughs> there you go. So you're going to know about this. So I would definitely, here's what I would say. I think if we go back to our, you know, original awesome topic that you've teed up with us, Michael, on AI, (laughs) for us in marketing and across HP's business, where we actually are determined to use 
AI and machine learning, that'll unlock an incredible amount of savings for us. That'll get reinvested into next generation innovation, not only hopefully for customers like yourself and Sir Martin, you know, but for all of our customers. I'm super bullish about the second half. You know, I think that, you know, especially here in the United States, looking at the puts and takes of our Federal Reserve, what we've tried to do and what is actually getting done by itself is super impressive, which is, you know, we're seeing a decrease in inflation. We're seeing people getting a little bit more excited about summer vacations. And hopefully for somebody like an HP, you know, when it comes to back to school, you know, when it comes into the holiday season, people will be looking at what, you know, this big conversation of AI is doing to umbrella and create interest in what kind of technology should I really have to go do the things that I think I want to do to create, to innovate, to connect, to communitize, et cetera. So that's my quick answer. Thanks. Thank you. Sir Martin, your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I think the second half will be better. When we look at the platform market, you know, our, our business generally is driven. There are two major addressable markets, global media, which is driven by the platforms. We're, we're totally digital, so we're it, you know, we're focused on the two thirds that is that is digital. The platforms look as though they grew in the first quarter by about seven percent. It looks like the comparatives are easier in Q3 and Q4. So I would expect them to tick up. You know, Alphabet, Meta, Amazon, Alibaba, Tencent, ByteDance, with TikTok probably being being the principal ones. But I, you know, look, the world is. You know, I'm doing a session on on Monday. Uh, I think the world is a crazy place at the minute. I mean, it, it, not at the minute, uh, for the foreseeable future, because, you know, U.S.-China relationships, question mark, um, will they? Will will we build more communication? And Blinken, uh, thankfully, is going to China this weekend. Um, you know, Bill Gates saw President Xi. So, you know, we've had a, a little bit of, but it's the business community that's tr- sort of driving a lot of it. So, there's that. There's there's the Russian problem, uh, and and insecurity in Europe, and there's the security issue around Taiwan related to U.S. and China relations, and thirdly, Iran nuclear. So I think the general business environment uh, is going to be continue to be difficult in 23, and I, dare I say, it, into 24. I think after the American presidential election, it will get it'll get better. Whoever wins. Oh, really? Regardless of who wins. Yeah, I, uh, well, it, it, look, the business community would. Uh, it's getting into controversial territory, but <laughs> the business, the business community, like it or not, would prefer a Republican president. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we'll have to see how that that spins out, um, low because of low tax, low reg, and you know we saw that in 2016. Despite what you may think about President Trump or or not. Um, the, the fact was that in terms of business, uh, markets improved, um, indices improved, etc. So I, I would say we have probably have to wait for that, for the fundamentals. Two other things just quickly to say. As a result of all this uncertainty, uh, the, the, the geographical strategy of clients like HP and others, I think, has to be much more nuanced. So to my mind, just simply without justification, I would justify it take too long. North and South America, the Middle East, question mark over Africa because of volatility, 
Asia Pacific, question mark over China. If you're big in China, do you go bigger? I don't think so because of the security issues around Taiwan. If you're small in China, you probably go, you go bigger. But other countries such as India, Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, the Philippines, Singapore, Malaysia become more important. Europe, question mark, because growth in Europe is going to be harder to come by in a lower growth, higher inflation, higher interest rate world. So that's one thing. The second thing is what Tara said, which is the driver is going to be technology. So back to where we started, AI, AGI is going to be really important in driving client growth and client margins. And digital transformation, which involves marketing, sales, and IT, so it's very complex. I mean, the job that Tara has to do, in my view, has become more and more complex. And AI and AGI will make it more complex. You know, optimization will be difficult. So so technology is going to drive it. So those two things, it's always two buckets. It's always geography bucket and technology bucket. And the technology bucket is going to be really important in driving client growth. And that's why we have to grasp the nettle. And when you have clients like HP, who've been grasping that nettle for years, you know, everybody's got excited about AI in the last three months. They've been excited about it for years. And <laughs> yeah, they, we have. They've driven yeah. it, and they've, they've driven it into their processes. And you hear, well, from what Tara said, that <clears throat> the senior leadership team or senior people there, you know, working together constructively, Sometimes in organizations, you find a tension between marketing and finance or marketing and procurement. It's really important to get it all together. Thank you. Yeah, it's just a great answer. I mean, we we have to be on the same dragon boat rowing in the same direction together. And I do see that at our executive leadership team. I actually see that in our board of directors, which is equally impressive. You know, and I think, again, to build on everything Sir Martin said, Michael, you know, I believe that as tech, as an industry, can really be a better mover together on the things that we could really change the world on faster in a more positive way than the geo stuff that Sir Martin talked about could have solutions to those problems faster. So I'm super excited. And again, I would just say complimentary to what Sir Martin said. I'm super bullish. What's next? Yeah, I mean, the danger, Tara, is that all these issues that worry our clients around growth and margin pull you away from loosely called the purpose issues and the the DE&I initiatives and the ESG initiatives. I mean, that's the danger. I mean, in a way, you know, you're you're in Texas. um, Fossil fuels raises raises the hackles of many people, quite rightly, and of course. The priorities have shifted. They definitely are. But, you know, we but we believe, Sir Martin, at HP, and you could, Murray Myers would say this, our CFO, is, you know, ESG for HP is really the last mile to the last inch of profitability yeah. and shareholder yeah. return. And we really try to err on the side of environmental, social, and governance, you know, at the audit, you know, simply at the simple audit level that we really think that that's where we have a lot more room to grow to make an impact. And we do think, again, as a responsible tech brand, we have every opportunity in those difficult places to bring tech mm-hmm. solutions that could possibly solve conflict, separation, 
anxiety, et cetera. So yeah, anyway, absolutely. Well, well said. Glass well half said. full for me. Well said. ESG is a topic that I really would love for us to dive into much deeper. However, we're kind of out of time. So I'm going to end our, our, our conversation with just a quick kind of slightly trivial question. Sir Martin, how many can lions have you attended? I presume you're well uh, in the double digits, right? Oh, yeah, I would say it's probably about 20 or something like that. 20 or so. Tara, is this your first time? Or I am a first timer. Times? First time. Yes. Excellent. My whole career path has been in and out of marketing. And, you know, as a marketing executive today, I'm super excited about this opportunity to be at well, CAN. It'll be great to have you there. But so, Sir Martin, uh, since you've kind of commentated a lot of this conversation anyway, I'm going to put a little pressure on you. What would be your <laughs> suggestion to Tara of ah. the best place to go get a good meal in CAN? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. That's not what that's not what she's there for. Um, she's there for. Uh, person's got to eat, sir. Person's no, no, no. It's everywhere. It's, it's great. The food in the food in Cannes and Nice and Saint Paul and places like that are, are super good. And I'll give her some recommendations. Oh, from, thank you, sir. Ye- ye- years of years of experience. Some good, some bad. Um, Look, to, to my mind, can is 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 really exciting. It's 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 changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's become more like CES, if I can put it like that. CES has become more like CAN. And Tara, you've been to CES. Oh I yes, <laughs> I used Probably to go to Comdex, Sir Martin. Do you remember Comdex? Ooh. Yes, absolutely. CES? Well, well, yeah. well, well, that, that's really yeah. So CAN used to be like Comdex, Comdex, but at the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> now, now CAN has become more like CES today. So, you know, it'll be dominated by the tech companies. And, you know, I I just saw today um, an article about Apple uh, having a big presence there, which traditionally they haven't. Amazon having a big presence there, which they traditionally haven't. Obviously, Microsoft will be there, but the six platforms that I mentioned before, and obviously the software companies like Salesforce and Adobe, et cetera. Um, To be blunt, to be blunt, you know, I wonder. You know, if if Tara and I said let's let's put together a advertising festival, would we choose the south of France in the middle of June? Um, <laughs> I, it, for the obvious reasons, I think the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I I sense that some clients there's more very some people love it, some people are not so keen. And there's a, a tremendous, there's more variety of opinion about it. Having said that, you know, what's going to dominate it is where you started our conversation. AI, yes. AGI is going to dominate everything, every piece of communication. And that's sad because what Tara said is dead right, which is the creative side of it. Of it. Yeah. In I mean, that that's world. where I mean, if we're going to talk about elevating creativity, that's what I'm looking forward to, and I'm looking yeah. forward, Sir Martin, truly to giving you know, giving each other some time when we're at Can together, and you know, I think for me, it's about those relationships and being thankful for people who believe in HP as a brand that are doing great work for us and with us, you know, and really helping us be more meaningful and connecting to the things that are important you know, as a brand. So I'm excited, but I would, I would probably say you're right, Sir Martin. I think Cam Lion in the future should be somewhere, 
you know, in the Asian continent. And I think you nailed it on places like India or Thailand and even, you know, Beijing or Shanghai. You know, really, I think the future of brands is going to rely in a series of very populated places, you know, in those countries. And it's super exciting to see brand work. I mean, to your to your point, Tara, if we take 2050 in the forecasts, the forecast for the five biggest economies, not per capita, but absolute, yeah. Ch- China one, US two, India three, Indonesia or Germany four, and Indonesia or Germany five. That's in the thing. So if you think about that being the, the soccer, the Premier League, one, three, <laughs> and right. five, or one, three, and four <laughs> are going to be are going to be Asia. So, when, and I take what, what it one just... step further, Sir Martin. I want to play on that yeah. and say ours would be definitely U.S., then Best Buy, then it would be you know the <laughs> U.K. or China in a second place with you know Dixon's Carphone or JD.com. That's the way that we look at the economy. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. interesting. Well, I I will be curious to attend uh, Lions Jakarta one day. Or Lions Shanghai. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I think okay. Here's our here's our wild. here's our big bet, Michael Sir Martin. You know, let's go do that. I would like that kind of adverti- elevated creativity in those places. Well, I want to thank you both for uh, you know taking the time to chat with me. This has been a fascinating conversation. In fact, I even want to thank you both for letting me sit in on this because it feels like <laughs> this this was the Tar and Martin show. So. But uh, really, thank you so much. Uh, I hope you both have a terrific week. Thanks very much. Here in Cannes. And um, this is Michael Berge with Digiday signing off on today's podcast. 